Welcome to the Modern Nonprofit Fundraiser Podcast, where we help nonprofits reimagine generosity and put the joy back in fundraising. Hear from leading nonprofit fundraisers and marketers as they reveal strategies for strengthening donor relationships to propel your nonprofit forward. Hey, everybody, this is Gabe with Virtuous. Welcome to the podcast. Today, I'm so excited to have Emily Lesko on the podcast. Uh, Emily's the VP of Digital Business Solutions at iDonate. She has an amazing background in nonprofit fundraising. I actually spent some time at Susan G. Komen running uh, a lot of their operations, particularly with their kind of federated model, helping all their offices get up and running. I did a lot of strategy there. Prior to that, she was at Telos Fitness uh, and the USDA has her degree from Texas A&M. Uh, Emily's been a longtime friend and I'm excited to have her on the podcast. So Emily, welcome. Thanks, Gabe. I'm excited to get to chat with you today. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me a little bit about how you ended up at iDonate um, and then kind of why you made the decision to make the make the change into the technology world and nonprofits. So in my role, um, I was responsible for the operations of our revenue team and also our affiliate network, um, where I had to gather a lot of data. Uh, I had to do a lot of reporting. Um, we were doing a lot of measurement, um, but we were also trying to reach our donors in a new way. Um, we'd been on a legacy system for a long time. Uh, we started looking into new opportunities for a different solution um, to something that we'd been doing for a really long time. I met, I donate through that process. Um, and I saw something that I'd not ever seen before. Um, something where we would have the opportunity to do omni-channel fundraising in one place um, with a back office that was really slick and one that um, my digital marketing team was really excited about and one that um, I was really excited about as far as it could make my life easier. I saw ways it could make my life easier. Um, for us, we had a particular need and that we had to Address so we weren't able to implement iDonate at the time, um, but it was something. There was something about the team. There was something about the culture of the company um, that really uh, got me excited uh, about what they do or what they did at the time. Um, an opportunity came up for me to have a conversation with them and really come alongside them and and talk through how to make the product even better. Um, and how to serve nonprofits um, and what they're trying to do every day in a different way. And I think shifts and mindsets in the wor- in the nonprofit world to um, really say, "Hey, there's an easier way to do this." Um, so it was a, it was an exciting opportunity. I'm I love getting to work with a lot of different nonprofits and talk to them about what they're passionate about and help them achieve their goals. Uh, with less headache and pain. Hmm. Yes, uh, and I love that. So I, I know um, before, because I want to talk a, a lot about um, kind of the idea of multi-channel uh, and why that's important, why it was attractive to you initially with I Donate, but then how that worked itself out practically in the fundraising world. Before I get to that, though, 
Um, I know I Donate Culturally talks a lot about um, moving the 2%. So a lot of people may not know what that, that means, but I know that's a big kind of cultural distinctive for you guys. Talk a little bit about um, what it means to move the 2% and, and how you think you guys are playing a role there. So for nonprofit fundraising and for um, in the nonprofit space, really the two percent of the GDP is spent or is given um, every year. And really, what we would love to see happen is that to change. It's been the same for the last fifty years. Um, in case you're wondering, more money is being made today <laughs> than fifty years ago, um, but the GDP has stayed the same. So. Um, it's really something that we would love to see more generosity from the from the available income um, of the American people and really serve the social good. Um, so we want to help make that easy for individuals and donors to give and give easily as easy as it is to buy something on Amazon or watch something on Netflix. Um, we want it to be easy to give to your your that you care about. Yeah, I love that. That's one of my favorite things that, that you guys have historically talked about is that idea of shifting, you know, 2% of what whatever it was last year, 350, $380 billion is having, that's a, that's been yeah. 2% for forever. So how do we really move yeah. the needle and have generosity be a greater portion of Americans' uh, checkbook? And um, that's, it's such a cool uh, novel idea that, that I love that. So let's talk a little bit about how nonprofits accomplish that. Like, how do you drive more net new generosity? Um, yeah. uh, I know in today's world, um, donors are more mobile savvy. They're more web savvy. They're more mm -hmm. socially connected. Um, they expect mm -hmm. the giving experiences they have to be on par with, like you said, Amazon, Netflix, yeah. Uber. So for you, how do you define what is a, a great um, giving experience, what makes a great donor experience digitally? I think one that is friction-free. If you think about what you do in your day-to-day -day life, right? I stand outside and can order a car. Mm. And somebody comes and picks me up and offers me gum and takes me to the airport. And it, all I had to do is push a button and say, here I am. I need a ride, right? Um, it should be that easy for an individual to give. There's some additional information that you have, I mean, you have to set up a profile, you have to do those things for um, things like Uber and Lyft uh, to order a car. So there's some of that functionality that is inherent that you have to do with giving, but giving an individual donor the opportunity to give where they are, when the mood strikes, um, if they're at an event and They've just heard a compelling story about all the work that you're doing um, in Africa. We want, and they've seen that picture and it's, and they've gotten inspired. Um, we want them to be able to text 54222 to a number and be able to give um, immediately. And it'd be that simple. Um, we want them to be able to go online, read a story in an email, click a link and or open a donation page that's already embedded in that email and give immediately. Hmm. Um, but we also want to give the organization the power of knowing who that donor is and why they gave through partnerships 
um, with people like Virtuous. So it is really talking about the whole story, the whole journey of of an individual and what their story is and what the organization's story is and how those two can marry. Hmm. So it's really a broader thing than just a quick, easy form online, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, incredibly helpful. I know for me, understanding how that, um, uh, each of those experiences you described, it's it, it could be a different channel, right? It could be online giving, it could be mobile, it can be a wide variety of, of types of gifts, cash, non-cash. Um, talk a little bit more about uh, the role of data within data within an organization, data within your system or, or outside CRMs. What's the role of data in creating those kind of integrated experiences? So there's an old term, it, bad data in is bad data, right? Like yeah. garbage in, garbage out. Yeah. Um, if you don't have a clean system of data, then you're not, you're not going to be able to, um, inter interact with your donor in the way that you want to. Um, cause I think every organization wants to know their donor. Uh, they want to meet their donor where they are. They want to speak to their donor in a way that makes sense for them. Um, but in order to do that, you've got to know who they are. And you need to know what they care about. Well, sometimes you you can, it, it's difficult, I think, to in today's environment, if you have disparate systems, to really understand an individual donor. Hmm. So if you're bringing data into a CRM system from a lot of different systems, their data may not be uh, apples to apples. So you're getting pieces of data here and pieces of data there. Um, but you're not really seeing a whole picture. With iDonate, you know, or you could know, an individual is at an event. They registered for an event. They bought a ticket to an event. They, um, they text to give at that event. So you know they care about this golf event. So they like golf. Um, you know that they texted at that event. So they have a mobile phone um, that they can text from. And you know that they then came back online through an email campaign that was generated that talked about a specific cause or a specific portion of your um, your organization that is powerful um, that means something to them. They really care about orphans. That's something that is a message that resonates with them because they opened that email, they clicked through that email, and they gave through that email. Um, that information is available because you. In, with our system because you can um, see what projects they designate gifts to. Um, so you can ask them what they care about and they can tell you what they care about. And that information can all flow into your CRM so that you really are getting a true holistic picture of your donor, um, yeah. which I think is difficult with disparate systems. Yeah. I mean, that's, it resonates. It's funny this week, um, I'm late doing my taxes all the time, but this week I'm trying to round up. <laughs> we, uh, we, uh, we're trying to figure out, we couldn't find our year in statement from one of the orgs we give to that will remain nameless. And so I'm like, Oh, I'll just log in online and figure out how much I gave. Uh -huh. And literally I figured out that I'd given through three different disparate giving systems just digitally with this organization last year. Yeah. Right. And so I had to like, remember email password that were all different for three different and like search through email to find links to the portal page with each of those 
And my tax guy is about to kill me. So it's like four different digital screenshots of different disparate systems to get my giving just yeah. to the organization. None of these different systems knows about the other. None of them knows about yeah. me. Right. And mm-hmm. so it's just, it's, it's a complete mess. There's probably three different versions, four different versions of my account on file at this organization. Um, they yeah. probably don't even know how much that I've given and stuff like that. Just as a donor in a world where, um, Amazon or Netflix know everything about me and my family and everything's at my fingertips. That that's a less less personal, just purely pragmatic hassle kind of thing. But it's a it's a yeah. big deal. Like it shouldn't be that way in 2018. Yeah. Well, and think about on the organization side as well, what they have to do to know you. Yeah. Right. Because all of that, if it's if it's in different places for you on the donor side, it's in different places for them on the org side. Um, and trying to figure out and speak to you in a way that matters to you, um, I think is huge. Uh, and it's very difficult from yeah. the organization side. Yeah, It's really difficult That's... and costs a lot of money yeah. too. Yeah, absolutely. So. Um, okay, so I, I'd love to hear from you a little bit, uh, two different things. One that we didn't cover up front, but I really want to circle back to is um, the source of giving in this country. Right now, people think about online credit card gifts as the primary mechanism to raise money, and traditionally it has been. Um, mm-hmm. But that really represents, I don't remember what the number is, um, 2%, 4% of total American wealth is, is in cash. Mm-hmm. The rest of it is in stuff that they own. Uh, yeah. which can be an amazing platform for generosity. I'd love for you to talk a little bit about um, what it means, uh, what the potential is that's wrapped up in non-cash, and then how, as I don't know, how you guys think about non-cash. So um, in at iDonate, we have the ability to accept non-cash gifts of value. Um, so think stock, vehicles, um, houses, there, there are a lot of fun, funny stories around items that we've been given. I love to sit and have lunch with um, one of the folks from our non-cash team who always has the stories of the day and um, what was what was donated. Um, we sold a samurai sword, um, or like from the civil from the Civil War that has like this whole history around it. We Great. sold grain, um, silos of grain. So I think it's interesting because. You know, we all think about the the stuff that's sitting in our garage, um, but there's also stuff of value that I feel that it makes up a huge portion of America's wealth. Um, and I'm trying to remember the number off the top of my head, but it's in the billions um, of available resources that are um, wealth resources, uh, non-cash. Yeah. So um, we do have the ability to to accept that, accept those gifts. We have a liquidation team that is uh, nationwide that helps us with that. Um, it's really easy to do with iDonate, um, which that's part of the, we want it to be friction-free, not just for cash and um, credit cards and ACH, but also with non-cash. So we handle it. You you put it in on a website form and then we come pick your car up. Yeah. So. It's, uh, and we sell it, and the, the organization gets money that um, they wouldn't have gotten otherwise. And they didn't have to sell the product, or they didn't have to sell the item. 
which is really uh, a huge issue in, in a nonprofit. I know it was for us um, at my, in my former organization, we always had people who were calling and trying to give us items of value, um, but we didn't have a way to liquidate it, so we couldn't take it. And it's always so hard to tell a donor no. Um, I know you're so passionate and you want to serve us and you want to help us, and this is your way for you to help. Can you go sell that item and then give us the cash? Um, that's a really awkward conversation, um, but it had to be, that was a lot of times what we had to do. Um, so with iDonate, that becomes a, a resource where you can point them in the direction of a form and they fill it out and, and we take care of the rest and the org gets the donation. So it's really uh, opens up a whole nother channel for an organization. Yeah, that's great. Now it's um, super practical in terms of the 2% thing we talked about. So how do you, how do you really realistically increase, increase generosity in America? Well, you know, you might say, well, people are already giving as much as they can give, which honestly, I don't think it's true. I think people, <laughs> or they could be giving even a yeah. cash, but, um, but it's very easy to look at, at stuff and say, you know what, you know, you can, you're saying you can give 6% out of your income, let's say, but that's not, that's mm -hmm. only a small part of your net worth. You actually have like around our house, we have, you know, jewelry, we have electronics, uh, yeah. we have, have five kids. My kids are addicted to devices. We have we have all of these things that are that money yeah. is bound up in these the stuff that we could easily yeah. turn into generosity. So I think part of it's just for me, and you can speak to this a little bit, but it's just education. Like me, even me as a donor, yeah. five years ago, I didn't I didn't know all this stuff. I didn't even know there was a possibility oh, yeah. to donate. How do you guys like? How do you guys think about education? Uh, is it hard to get nonprofits to sort of buy into this way of thinking? Yeah. Yeah, so um, one of the things is you, it's an education process with a nonprofit, but it's also an education process with that nonprofit's donors. Yeah. Um, not a lot of donors understand that you can give non-cash gifts. Um, they may have heard vehicle gifts on, on a radio um, broadcast at some point, right? Yeah. So they may, they may know, like in Dallas, in the Dallas area, it's Cars for Kids. Mm -hmm. um, that's one of the ones that I know about because I've heard it on the radio for years, right? I know I can give my car to Cars for Kids. Um, but you really do have to educate your, um, your donor base and the right section of your donor base so you're talking to the right people with the potential to give um, that may, have, may not know that that's available. So thinking around direct mail, um, if you do direct mail, which I know is like, Heresy, we were talking about digital giving, right? Um, but doing direct mail uh, campaigns for individuals who may have uh, wealth that they're trying to donate yep. later in life. Um, so segmenting your audience and really thinking about your audience in a way or your donors in a way uh, that you're going to resonate with them. Uh, talking through email campaigns and, and even adding it to your thank you at the end of a gift. Did you know you can also give non-cash? Um, it's just adding those touch points throughout the cycle to, to open that opportunity up and really having a place for them to go to to understand what non-cash is and what non-cash isn't. Yeah. Um, because there are a lot of things that we don't take, we don't take your clothes. Um, yeah. That's not, that's not some, an item of wealth. I know you think that you're, <laughs> you're, you know, whatever brand name jeans are, are an item of wealth, but they are not. Um, 
but we will take your stock and we will take your grain. So it is thinking through what are the different things that I may have. What are, Gift cards is another one that I think is really cool because how yeah. many of us after Christmas get gift cards and go, uh, I don't really shop at this place, <laughs> um, but somebody does, yeah. right? Um, or it's been sitting in your wallet for six months and you go, oh, I'm not really going to use it. Yeah. May as well give it to a good cause. Yeah. Um, so we liquidate those. And I think, but it is very, very important that it is built out in your marketing plan as an organization or else it will just be a, another place on a page. And nobody is going to understand really what to do with that unless you really market it and, and educate your donors. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's, it's so helpful. I think I've seen so many, not just with non-cash, but a lot of things where uh, somebody will buy a technology peer to peer is a great example of this. There's a lot of great examples. Yeah. Somebody will just buy it and set it and forget it. Like, Oh, we did our, yeah. we have our non-cash form or we have our peer to peer page. Like you could, you know, it, it, those can be amazing opportunities, but you have to do the hard work of education yeah. and inspiration. And so, um, yeah. so I, well there, and, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no go ahead. I was going to say peer to peer made me think a lot about, I ran the peer to peer program for the organization that I was at. And, um, we had, there was a lot of programming around peer to peer that has to happen. And I think a lot of times that is a really big myth. Um, in the nonprofit world that you can just set it and forget it. Mm -hmm. um, we had, I had a staff person on my team that was her whole job. All she did was peer to peer. And um, it was really like a major gift officer where she stewarded those donors, those fundraisers, but it was a different conversation because they, she was trying to help them raise money. Um, and so it's something you really do have to think strategically about and implement and have buy-in not only um, from the, from the team that's working on it, but from the organization as a whole to put effort in on a peer-to-peer -peer program and know the best way to do that for your donors. Um, because not all peer-to-peer -peer looks the same. Um, there's so many different things out there to do that, but really being able to think through those things uh, strategically and make a good decision for your org uh, is the best way to do that. And we offer peer-to-peer -peer functionality as well. Um, and I donate. So, yeah. That's great. Yeah, I, it's it's almost uh, comical how often we see that mistake. But no matter how many times you say yeah. it, it never seem to get corrected. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to get a little bit more practical here with the last couple of yeah. questions. Um, one is you guys are working with a lot of organizations. I know you have a passion for really seeing them increase generosity, not just to get another piece of software. Um, what are yeah. what are some of the biggest mistakes that you're seeing out there that people can avoid like what where, what are the pitfalls that you're consistently fixing that that might help some of our audience yeah um not segmenting uh is a huge huge pitfall i think just blasting your database with one embed which for us an embed is one donation form mm -hmm. um you're treating everybody the same you're uh you're not thinking about who they are and where they came from and speaking to them in that way. I think that's the biggest tri trip up that we see with organizations now. Um, the other, the other is what we really kind of already talked about. There's not a strategy behind something. They think if they buy a piece of software and stick it on the internet, somebody's going to find it and it's going to immediately make everything better. Right. While we invested in this 
software, um, it's supposed to do it. it you said it was going to be friction free. They're supposed to just come, right? They have to know it's there. <laughs> so you have to market, but having a strategy in place to really um, meet those demands that that software helps you um, reach those goals as an organization, but it is a uh, it is it's important to have strategy and resources pointed in the right direction to meet those goals mm. and make sure that it's integrated. It's not just a one-off yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, no, that's great. I think uh, just from, from our perspective, we've seen a lot of the same thing. I think it, it can seem a little bit overwhelming, especially for mm-hmm. all the midsize work. So even starting simple with yeah. like, Hey, my, my first time folks, my longtime folks and my my mm-hmm. my champions or the people that are always doing the peer to peer stuff that like let's let's have yeah. three segments let's start with that and yes. ask each of them have their call to action be a little bit different or their messaging be a little bit different let's drive each of them to different landing page with a different donation form because yeah. or maybe our champions not at all to donation form who knows but let's yeah. let's try three different sets of messages to three different core audience. We don't need to worry about having 800 segments to start out with just because it feels overwhelming, but um, I think that's a good place to start. Yeah. Well, and I think having that data to make those decisions is really important. Um, And being able to segment and look at the data, look at your data to know where to start to Um, Because sometimes you don't even have that picture to start with, and that can be overwhelming, right? right. Just getting your data in one place to be able to look at it and say, oh, it makes sense for us to have new donors, a recurring donors, and a champions, you know, whatever your your database looks like, right? Having a picture of that or a clear view of that. one of the things I kind of want to end with here is is something that we talk a lot about, but it's it's as people start exploring buying technology to help accelerate giving, like what what criteria that should they use? And I'll even say before you get into it, I'll even say this for us, um, for our team at Virtuous, we we have some people that um, aren't honestly aren't a good fit for us, and we'll send them in a different direction. But part of what we do up front is just educate people on how to buy software or even what they should look yeah. for. Um, especially in the nonprofit space, a lot of our buyers are are incredibly mission focused. They're amazing, amazing people, but they've never gone through the process of, of assessing their needs and picking software before. And so just that education can be so helpful, but I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about that for our listeners that, that begin to explore technology, digital fundraising technology, or even other stuff. Um, what they should keep in mind, what should they should use as those key decision points? I think some things that to really consider are what are your needs as an organization? What are you what are you trying to do um, from a fundraising perspective? It always starts with strategy for me as an organization. Uh, we were trying to do a lot of things at once. Um, we had a very large team. Um, it, it was an enterprise level uh, organization that was disparate. So we had 120 affiliates. Um, so we had to meet a lot of different types of needs. But 
I think understanding what you're trying to do as an organization um, and what those top priorities are. Is it that you want a really great giving experience on your website? Is that your number one priority when you're looking at digital giving? Um, is it that you have peer-to-peer? -peer? Is that your top priority? Um, you're, you're branching out in a, new, in a new space. You want to open up this program as an opportunity. Um, then look for a platform that does that really, really well. Um, is it that you, you have a lot of disparate systems and you want those in one place? Um, so thinking about from a strategy perspective, what are your goals as an organization? And then go and see what's in the market. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of new businesses, I would say, in the marketplace. There's always been one big player in this space um, and from a digital giving perspective mm -hmm. and understanding what, what it is you need and then going and looking for it outside of maybe um, the, the well that we've all run to for a long time. Mm -hmm. So I think there's uh, just really kind of looking at is it is something out there going to meet my needs and my priorities in the right order? Mm -hmm. um, but then listen and go look at other organizations that you see out there doing something that you, uh, you like, you like their experience and then figure out what they're doing um, and have those conversations. I think networking in the nonprofit space is something that is so valuable um, and understanding what others are doing in our space because we really are one big family, I think, as a nonprofit group, um, and we have so much to offer each other. Um, so those are some other just thoughts. Yeah. Uh, know your priorities, network, go see what's out in the space, yeah. um, and get help if you need it. Yeah, those are great. Those are great. We talk about a lot of the same things. I will add one to the list that I know even we've yeah. talked about in the past is uh, figure out who the right decision maker is in your organization. So yes. I'll give you an example. Like you talk to somebody in operations, you're like, I want you to use data to determine what your digital, digital giving to. I'll use data. I'll judge it based on how long it takes me to get digital gifts into my CRM. If I can get that from five minutes to three minutes, that's the data point, right? If you ask the CFO, choose, choose a, a digital giving based on numbers, he'll go, well, what's the interest rate? You get me from a two five to a one five and I, that's the number, that's the data point I use yeah. is the, it's the, the charge rate. But if I ask yeah. somebody in marketing or advancement, they're saying, well, how much does it increase giving? Like, and so yeah. I, I think in, and what tends to happen is sometimes operations and IT will be making the decisions based on that's data and it's good data and it's actually important data. Yeah. But, but sometimes when you look across the organization, what you find is um, like how much people give on a giving form, what drives them to give, how easy it is, is the difference between, you know, 20%, 40% increases in digital giving. It's sometimes a difference of millions of dollars when sometimes it's the decision is made by uh, IT or finance, the it's, it's okay. a difference in tens of thousands of dollars. And, and so yeah. you have to make sure the right person in the organization has say into the decision. So you're not leaving a lot of generosity on the table. If that makes sense. Absolutely. That's a really, really good point. And you don't want to get really far down on the process of 
really assessing a new system and bought in and realized somebody else is really the decision maker and then yeah. everything stops down, yeah. right? And then you've just wasted a lot of time. Yes. So, yes. <laughs> we, we see that all the time. Really, really good point. Yeah. I might be speaking from personal experience <laughs> there, but. Exactly. So we, we usually do a lightning round here at the end, which are just like kind of quick feedback questions. They're always interesting to hear people in our space, what they're into. Um, yeah. So I'm going to jump right in if that's okay. Yeah, that's great. Okay. First one we always ask people is, is what book have you read in the last year that's had the greatest impact on you? And if it's not the, if it's not the last year, feel free to go back a little further. So I was thinking hard about this question because uh, I recently discovered Audible, um, which is game changer for my reading because yes. I have three children. So as you know, um, it's hard for me to sit down and read, um, but listening to Audible is awesome. Uh, I listened to a book called The Hillbilly Elegy. Um, Hillbilly Elegy. Mm-hmm. It was such an interesting look at a culture in our, uh, in America that I relate to in some ways because I grew, I have a farming family background and um, just small town background in my family. Um, But things shifted for me because I was moved to a big city at a young age. Um, And so the difference in those cultures and really what highlights that it was just so interesting to uh, to kind of get a peek into a different culture in our in our world, and then how people are trying to address problems in that culture potentially, and um, how we may as an or as a a nation be going about it wrong, right? Because yeah. we're not addressing the true root of the problem. It was it was just really interesting uh, read. Yeah. I also like to read fun things, so okay. <laughs> I. Listen, or I really rarely read. I listen to, um, I listen to Audible. So uh, I listen to another book um, called Red Rising. It's a series. It's sci-fi-ish, and it's really good. Um, yeah. But it's kind of a a fun book that we just, I, a bunch of my friends and I listened to or read at the same time. So we all had a a lot of conversations around. Um, kind of sci-fi-ish, which is fun. Yeah, that's great. I love that. Um, I've, yeah. I've heard that hillbillyology is like um, amazing. Well, and it's funny though, yeah. the sci-fi thing, I'm actually trying to finish up uh, Ready Player One on Audible, listening really fast oh, right yeah. now. So, because my kids are all, yeah. a couple of them have seen it, a couple of them want to see it. And I, I'm always one of those people that likes to read the book if possible. And so it's yes. great. But only possible through That's Audible. on my list. Is it? Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, I was told I need to, I need to read the book before I go see the movie is what I was told. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they, that's what book people always say. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay. So uh, quickly podcast, are there any podcasts that you really like? I love a podcast. Mm -hmm. So um, I have a commute. That's one of the reasons why I get to, I get to either listen to audible or listen to a podcast every day. Um, twice a day. So um, one of my favorites is How I Built That um, with Guy Rossi. I think everybody who listens to that podcast probably loves it. And everybody on a podcast talks about it. Um, 
but I think it, it's really just insightful and interesting. Um, my other one, which don't judge me for, is the Big Boo cast, which are two moms um, that it is just so much fun to listen to. Um, they are like two friends. They've only done 100 episodes um, <laughs> over like 12 years. Oh my God. So they like make fun of themselves. But one's an Aggie. I'm an Aggie. So we have, I listen and they have kids and talk about, you know, being a mom and in today's culture and just, it's a lot of fun to listen to. I love so that. That's the one I listen to when I want to laugh. Yes. Yeah. I definitely have a couple of those like shameless, like mind candy ones too, but I think you yeah. got it. <laughs> um, okay. So you have crazy life. You're, you're, kind of running in a leadership position at a, a high-flying tech company and you have three kids at home. So I, tell me a little bit about what you do to keep balanced, how you keep your energy up. Like, are there, you know, kind of things that you've you've built into your life to keep you from burning out? Yeah. Um, working out is really important. I try to do that three times a week, if at all possible. Um, I have a really fabulous husband. Mm -hmm. Um, and that is, that's really helpful. He keeps me probably most grounded, um, because he knows me so well and can, uh, say, okay, settle it down. You need a break. You need to take some time. You need to go to the gym. Um, so he's really my gauge, but then, yeah, I try to work out three times a week. That doesn't always work. Um, I try to drink a lot of water. <laughs> I, I have, um, People who who ride with me in my car make fun of me because I usually have a really big water mm -hmm. cup in there because I think if I can make it through that today, I'll be okay <laughs> on the waterfront. It just keeps my energy up. I don't know. Makes me pretend like I'm healthy. I'm not sure, but <laughs> <That's great. laughs> you've seen it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's funny. I'm, I'm that, but but coffee, which isn't nearly as healthy, and so I need to I need to switch to water. It's a good habit. Um, I, I have to have goals. I'm one of those people. So I tell myself, I, if I drink all the water that's in that glass then I can have a Dr. Pepper cause that's my Achilles heel. That's great. Yeah. Well, in Dallas, yeah. in Dallas, Dr. Pepper's everybody's Achilles heel, I think. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, okay. So I want to kind of wrap us up here. Um, it's been a blast getting to chat with you. I want you to leave our listeners here at the end with kind of how they can get in touch with you, um, how they can learn more about uh, iDonate and you guys' digital giving experiences. Yeah. Well, iDonate's easy. It's iDonate.com. Okay. Um, with me, I have an email address that's really easy, elesco at, at iDonate.com. Um, I'm also on social media, but it's private. So I don't know if that helps anything. Um, so you can't really see anything. Yeah. Um, but I am on LinkedIn. You can find me on LinkedIn. That's great. Uh, Emily Lesko. Yep. That's perfect. Well, Emily, thank you so much. It's been a blast. And uh, we look forward to chatting with you again soon. Awesome. Thanks, Gabe. I really appreciate the opportunity. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Modern Nonprofit Fundraiser. The podcast is brought to you by Virtuous the CRM and marketing automation software helping charities raise more money and create more good. Be sure to rate and subscribe. For more resources, 
head to virtuouscrm.com.